strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Then zone for Fitz. Goes up and makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again. The Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! There's a reason it is televised on not one, but two networks simultaneously. And why both networks get better TV ratings than games in the World Series. There's a reason why discussion fills countless hours for countless days on the airwaves and bandwidth. Why before the NFL draft, we get a zillion mock drafts. And there's a reason why jobs are predicated and careers are decided upon who can pick and who cannot. And why there are jobs predicting who the decision makers will pick and who eventually they will not. It is the NFL Draft, and Ron Wolfley, it is quite literally the future of football, TikTok. The question, Paulie, is this right here. What do you expect to see Thursday night? How many surprises do you expect to see in that first round? I think we're going to see it, Paul. I think we're going to see surprise. (laughs) And not only that, I love the fact that this draft is going to be heavily, heavily weighted towards tape. And being able to vet tape, being able to process tape, not only as a general manager, of course, but an entire scouting department. I think the surprises begin at number four. I think Atlanta, all of a sudden, will do something. They'll finally get their price. A quarterback will be there. Somebody will trade up. The Niners already have buyer's remorse for giving up too much to get to number three. (laughs) Wally, how do you say the draft starts at number four when you have Kyle Shanahan saying, you know what? We might take all five. (laughs) We might draft any five of the quarterbacks that are right there. We moved up to three because we thought there was at least three that we liked. Then all of a sudden, we we decided, hey, we like all five of these guys. You got to be kidding me. You can't make this stuff up, Paul. But they're going to take quarterback, okay? Yes. So, So that means at number four, you have to ask yourself, will Atlanta take quarterback? Because if they don't, somebody will. Somebody will trade up and will trade into that spot. And then at that moment, it is like so on. And there's going to be five quarterbacks selected before the Cardinals select in number 16. Unless, of course, oh, I don't know, maybe Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn is still on the board by number nine. And you got to jump in front of Dallas. And maybe the Cardinals pull the trigger on a big deal, big, big deal to get up in front of Dallas. Because the one certainty in this draft, Ron Wolfley, is that the Cowboys are going corner at number 10. And, Paulie, once again, you know what, honestly, there is going to be a lot of surprises i think you're right on that and i i would agree that the draft really does begin at number four but we know that the 49ers moved up to number three to target somebody 
Who that is, we do not know. There's a lot of speculation out there. Was it Justin Fields? Was it Mac Jones, somebody that is an excellent scheme fit? Why did they move up to number three right there? That's a question mark as far as I'm concerned. I think the the top two quarterbacks, uh, I think we're probably going to see them go one and two as we expect. But to me... Why did you move up there, John Lynch? That's the question that I have. When they made the trade, did I not say, what are you doing? You gave up three first-round picks for the choice of either Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Yeah. For real? And now, when word is you're going to take Mac Jones and you're getting blowback from Niner Nation, even Sourdough Sam at this point is upset that you're (laughs) you're going to take yesterday's quarterback in Mac Jones? Hey, Sam, sit down and shut it. In a division with Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson? Are you serious? So now Kyle Shanahan's getting a little irritated. In fact, speaking of Kyle, let's make it a good one because the end of the world might be Sunday. Dave Pash is next. With the first pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. As a kid, that's what you dream of, you know, going to an organization and being that guy, um, you know, turning the program around, an organization around, and, you know, winning Super Bowls. And I'm not here to lose games or go through the motions. I'm here to change things up. So uh, I'm ready to go, and I, I can't wait. Flashback to draft night 2019, the eventual rookie of the year, Kyla Murray on offense. Then last year, a pro bowler, one of three in the NFC, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray, as we say, welcome into the Big Red Race, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And just to prove, Wolf, that we are indeed making Tuesday the most productive day of the week, <laughs> we uh, figured if we had one draft choice to make and we had one pick, you know what? Let's make it a good one, especially since, <laughs> once again, we may not be here on Sunday, according to Kyle Shanahan. So we got to make it count. we got to call the name of the guy who's been the voice of the Cardinals for nearly two decades as Dave Pash joins us on the Big Red Rage. Dave, how are we doing? Hey, what's up, Paulie? Wolf, how we doing, guys? Doing good, David. Really appreciate you joining us, as always, right now. What is the one thought that is on your mind when we say NFL Draft 2021? What's the first thing that comes to mind, David? I think it's the thing that everybody uh, is talking about, and that's the number three pick. What is San Francisco going to do? Because that could change the shape of the rest of the draft. And who knows, maybe it plays a role in what happens at number 16. Uh, Maybe it plays a role in some teams... Uh, that are even lower than the Cardinals looking to move up. I think it just it all depends on what San Francisco does. So they take Mac Jones, which I still have a hard time buying that that's <laughs> the guy they're taking, that they traded all that to take a guy that they probably could get later. Um, then maybe nothing changes. But if it's Trey Lance, if it's Justin Fields, if it's Kyle Pitts, then all of a sudden uh, there are going to be a lot of teams – scurrying to uh, try to either move up or maybe even move down. What if they actually intended to take Mac Jones and the blowback, the backlash has been so fierce from their own fan base and from all the haters out there, Dave, that now maybe they're rethinking it because I'm with you when they made the trade and then all of a sudden they made the trade for Mac Jones. I had a hard time believing they gave up what they did to get up to number three to get any of those three quarterbacks, but to get yesterday's quarterback in a division with Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, not get the dual threat guy. I just found that utterly confounding. Well, I think the thing that, that, 
that's most interesting. For whatever reason, it just seems like they want Jimmy G out of there. And I think you can still win this year with Jimmy Garoppolo. So why not take Trey Lance or Justin Fields, let them learn for a year, because I think ultimately their ceiling is greater than Mac Jones. Mac Jones might be able to help you win this year. Why not take Kyle Pitts? Imagine him and George Kittle mm. and the different things you could do with, with those guys if you and use check and, and uh, all those receivers they have and that offensive line and that great defense. I think it's going to be hard to trade Jimmy G, too. And you're taking a gamble that, well, New England's not going to be able to get a quarterback, so they're going to have to trade for Jimmy G. So, I, again, I just I have a hard time. Nothing against Mac Jones. Mac, I, I saw Mac play last year in person, and I saw him play two years ago when Tua was hurt. He's a really good player, but he also had all world players around him. Mm-hmm. And again, I just, in number three, it just seems like such a reach. And people are saying, well, he's perfect for Kyle Shanahan. If you think about it, though, John Elway is really the perfect quarterback for the Shanahan family. And what's the one thing about John Elway that stands out above everything else? His athletic ability. So why not Trey Lance or Justin Fields? Those guys, to me, fit Kyle Shanahan more than Mac Jones. David, you know what's really interesting about this, guys, is the fact there are people, there are scouts that will tell you Mac Jones is Tom Brady, right? They will tell you that. They, they And this is what scouts do, by the way. They stand on the table, they hitch their wagon to a player, and they make declarations, proclamations, and there are many scouts that believe that Mac Jones is Tom Brady. And it's not just the physical comparison where Mac Jones, we we all know he's not fleet of foot. It's not like Mac Jones is going to run around. Tom Brady certainly coming out of college, coming out of Michigan. Right? Don't take your shirt off, Tom, please. Same thing with Mac Jones for the most part. But Mac Jones, to me, there are some scouts that think he is the second coming, if you will, of Tom Brady and that's what you've got to do. You've got to make the declaration. Do you believe that? If the 49ers moved up to number three to draft Mac Jones, they believe it. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's fine. That's that's again, I Kyle Shanahan. I don't, I don't think he's going to take somebody that he doesn't think uh, he can work with, and that he doesn't think is smart. But at the same time. <laughs> You have to look at the players around Matt. You're trying to project the players that he had at Alabama. Even I mean, He never played a game at Alabama where he did not have two first-round picks mm-hmm. at wide receiver. Not one time. And Kurt Warner told me a long time ago, when you're drafting quarterbacks in the first round, be wary of the guys that played with great players in college. It's sometimes harder to evaluate those guys. Guess what? Kurt beat out that guy. Matt Leiner. Mm-hmm. Matt Leiner was that guy at USC. He played with all-world talent around him, and then he got to the NFL. And it was much tougher when the window wasn't three yards wide where the separation was immense. So, all right, Niners are looking for their guy. The rest of the division is set at quarterback, including Kyler Murray with the Cardinals, obviously. The question is, does his influence go beyond just playing quarterback? And does it impact the NFL draft and the war room and the decision makers? That was the question to him this morning on Good Morning Football, the NFL Network. I do believe I think I have an influence in it. I don't know why I wouldn't. You know, I think if you got a guy, a quarterback, and you trust him and you you want to be the face of the franchise for, you know, a lot of years, I think uh, he should have influence just because, I mean, everything, you know, is technically built around the quarterback. So 
I think I have that relationship with uh, Steve and Cliff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what we do on Thursday. And look, guys, you know Steve Kime, he'll listen to anybody. He listens to everybody who's involved with football, and then he formulates his own decision. So whereas Kyler suggested C.D. Lamb a year ago, obviously they went Isaiah Simmons-Wolf, but to what degree are you listening if you're in the war room to your starting quarterback, whether it's Kyler in year three or Tom Brady in year 30? Yeah, that's a great question, Paulie. It really is. But you know what, guys? Input and influence are two different things. Can we agree on that? Input and influence are two different things. Um, I don't think Kyler Murray is at a point in in his development where suddenly you look at him and you know what? He's going to influence every guy that you bring in to the locker room. I I don't think that's going to be the case. I I will tell you right now that it is my philosophical belief if you've got a franchise quarterback in your organization why wouldn't you go and talk to him and get his input on a lot of moves you might make why wouldn't you do that if you knew this is the guy we're going to build our team around for the next 10 or 12 years why wouldn't you go get that kind of input and influence But if you've got a young, developing quarterback, and that's what Kyler Murray still is to me, you're going to get his input, no doubt about that. But I don't know just how much he's really going to influence Steve Keim in the Arizona Cardinals scouting department. And you know what? They they might have already listened to him. I mean, think about it, Dave. He started this offseason being somewhat vocal about offensive line. Did he not? And maybe it was in a passive-aggressive way via social media, but they went out and they made the move for Rodney Hudson. They made the trade. Brian Winters, they acquired. Kelvin Beecham back on board. Who knows what they do in round one? But, yeah, Kyler Murray hasn't hesitated to offer his opinion on roster construction. I, I think, guys, that he may help make a decision indirectly, and that's it. I, I don't think he's walking into Steve Kimes office and saying, draft this guy, and Steve saying, okay, yeah, right. great idea. I mean, the guys that, that Kyler wants to get, I, I guarantee you, are the same type of players that Steve Kime has thought about. When I say he's helped indirectly, I mean, your job is to get weapons around him. Your job is to help your franchise quarterback succeed by protecting him and getting talent around him. So I, I, I just have a hard time seeing him walking into the war room and all of a sudden everybody just stopping what they're doing to hear what Kyler has to say about who he wants on the team. Speaking of the war room, gentlemen, Steve Kime was asked when he met the media, uh, so what is the potential you stay at 16, and then what's the potential you get aggressive and move up or perhaps move back since you have six picks in this draft? Here's Steve Kime. With six picks and where we're sitting, uh, I think it would be more likely to, to trade back than to trade up. So that's one thing. And then, you know, as far as trading back and accumulating more picks, uh, it's no different than a lottery ticket. The, the more you have, the better you have a chance to hit. Uh, we know it's an inexact business, and to be able to accumulate more picks would be a real coup for us. Do you buy that, Dave? Are they more likely indeed to move back considering – the lack of picks in this draft course, you know, Rodney Hudson and DeAndre Hopkins were part of that equation. But what do you think? Are you buying anything you hear from anyone, the Cardinals GM included? <laughs> I don't think so, guys. I, I don't. I, I think there are two things here that you, you're going to look at. You're, you're going to keep an eye on who's around between four and nine. And you're looking at the, at, at, to see which quarterbacks go. And are, is one of those receivers still there? Do you want to move up to get a weapon for Kyler? Or are there some players that are sliding? That's why I say you want to keep an eye on four through nine. Um, is Elijah Vera Tucker sliding? Is he around? 
um, and you think you can get him at 16. I think there's some other players that have top 10, top 15 grades that you're hoping slide to you. But if all of a sudden there's a guy that's there that you think you can go get that you didn't think was going to be there, I think you have to seriously consider it. In terms of trading down, I mean, it's always a risk, right? You trade down thinking, okay, we'll get an additional pick, and we've got our eyes on a guy, and so you trade down, then all of a sudden that guy's gone. Then what do you do? So if you trade down, you better have several guys that you're okay with getting, and and maybe they do. And that, again, comes back to because this draft, guys, is, is the hardest probably to evaluate because you have so many guys that opted out, and you got to find out from the guys that opted out why they did. And if you're in the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, I mean, how much are you holding that against them? Because a lot of them probably wanted to play or sign with an agent, and then they were told, okay, now you can go back. I mean, it was such a strange year on so many levels that, yeah, I mean, maybe there will be several guys that slide. But I, I just see the Cardinals either staying at 16 or actually trying to move up. You know what I love? I love this time of year. That's the best thing about it, guys. Are you kidding me? Draft subterfuge. I don't believe anything that, that any general manager says at this point of of the year. And you know what? You could honestly, you could honestly say, guys, that why would you expect him to tell the truth? He can actually tell the truth at this moment in time, and nobody's going to believe him anyways. It's just this beautiful brew of draft subterfuge that is going on right now that's it's incredible it's incredible to watch this whether the guy is telling the truth or not it really doesn't matter because nobody believes it and what dave just said is interesting either the cardinals stay at number 16 or they move up in his opinion not move back either way this is deep in wide receivers Uh, he mentioned kurt warner we'll hear from kurt warner who's on the big red rage last week we'll talk receiver next on the big red rage presented by santan ford and gilbert Shotgun snap to Kyler Murray from the pocket. Deep pass. Left side going for Hopkins. One-handed catch and a touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, you'd love to get another number one with DeAndre, but even that complimentary, really strong number two to go on the other side and and give you some playmaking would be great. Two voices right there. Kurt Warner, obviously, the Hall of Famer, joined us last week on the Big Red Rage, preceded by the voice of the Arizona Cardinals, Dave Pash, who was with us on this edition, the pre-draft edition all brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. And the question becomes, gentlemen, arguably the deepest position group in this draft is wide receiver Kurt Warner, always on board with getting another weapon. Dave, what about you? Just your general thoughts. We're going to hear from Steve Kye momentarily, but give me your general thoughts on if the Cardinals go receiver number 16 overall. Well, I mean, if you're at number 16, the best receivers are probably going to be gone. And I include Kyle Pitts in, in that group, even though he's listed as a tight end. Uh, he, he's, he's everything. He's anything. <laughs> so if you're staying at 16, you're, you're probably talking about Kadarius Toney being the best guy left. And, again, I'm not sure that the Cardinals are going to take him at 16. Uh, I think the guys that are game changers are the guys at the top of the board, Jamar Chase, who's obviously going to be gone early. It's looking like Cincinnati at five. And then, you know, Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith, who goes before whom? Does somebody move up to try to get one of those guys? Are one of those guys still there at 9, 10, 11? Uh, Again, that's why I go back to what I said earlier about kind of – 
you're just keeping an eye on what happens four through nine because if one of those guys slip and you think you can go get them and you don't have to give up, you're going to have to give up something, but you don't have to completely mortgage your future, those guys to me are the game changers. Kadarius Toney, I think, has a chance to be a really good player, and to me he's the best of the guys that are after the big three. But I, I think there are other players that are going to be there, in my mind, that are, are going to be more value picks for you than taking Tony at 16. Wolf, before we get your thoughts, here's the GM Steve Kime this week on the receiver class 2021. I think it's a really deep receiver class, and, and they all have different traits, especially those guys at the top. They're all different sizes. They have different skill sets, uh, whether they can play X or Z or you know do some things for you in the return game. A couple of those guys have that skill set. To me, I think there's probably going to be five or six guys that could potentially go in the first round. What do you think, Wolf? You know, it's interesting because there's a lot of guys that have Jalen Waddle on their big board right around number 12, number 14. Some have them number 16. As a matter of fact, I've seen them as low as number 18. Is it a possibility that somehow, someway, Jalen Waddle might actually fall to number 16? I don't know. But if he does fall to number 16, I say run to the podium and draft him. And, and, and I, I despise myself for actually saying that. because. No way, though, guys. There's yeah, no way he's right? going to be there at 16. Okay. Yes, but you know what, David? Once again, I think we're in for some surprises. I do. I think we're going to be in for some surprises here in the first round, especially in the first 15. We'll see what happens. We'll see who's moving up and who's dropping out of the top 15. We'll, we'll see. But to me, I think there's going to be an awful lot of surprises, and the reason being is because this is a tape, tape, tape-heavy draft, and we've never seen a tape-heavy draft. You know, for three months, gentlemen, I've been the outlier on this whole receiver thing. I've said repeatedly, just say no to a first-round wide receiver. It's too risky. All you have to do is look at the last five or six or seven drafts, and then finally ESPN came up with a stat that verified my gut feeling and what the research I had done, and among all NFL positions, the hit rate for a first-round wide receiver is the worst Mm. of any NFL position at only 27% hit rate being the players that get a second contract from the team that drafted them. And Dave... Polly, do you know what the duration is on that? Do you know how long that is? That's the question I would ask you. Is that the last 40 years? What are you talking about specifically? Do you know? The only thing I heard anyone speculate on is it's since 1990 for some reason. Okay. That the hit rate for the receiver position is the worst. See, the one thing I would say about that is, Paulie, only only because during the 1990s and the early 2000s, of course, there were a ton of read routes, right? It was so difficult for a wide receiver to come into the National Football League playing college football. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to read a lot of routes. Your route is going to change based on the coverage that the defense is going to play, and you and the quarterback had to be on the same page for the most part. So it was really Really difficult for a wide receiver to come in mentally with all the hots, all the checks, and run the right route. Where I think now we've seen this the, the influence of college football, of course, at the NFL level, and I think it's easier to make that transition over the last three or four years. Yet you're telling me over the last three or four years there's still a big miss rate on wide receivers. Correct? I mean, whether it's John Ross or Henry Ruggs or Nikhil Harry, I mean, there's just been a lot of miss. You're going to call Henry Ruggs a miss yet? I mean, he's played one year. Wolf, you have a pair of second-round picks 
in Andy Isabella and, and, and Christian Kirk. Dave, does that matter at all in this equation? You just put a, picked up A.J. Green. What do you think the urgency is by the Cardinals, or should it be, to go receiver in the first or second round? I think it's high if there's a guy that you absolutely love that you want to go get. Again, I, I don't believe that the, the big three are going to be there. I think that there's no way either – Chase is going to probably go first, but Waddle or Smith, I, I don't think those guys are, are around after pick 11. So you'd have to move up to get one of those guys. And that's why I said if, if you don't do that, you're not taking one at 16 because I, I think there are other players who are going to be more valuable. But to Wolf's point, you, know, you probably could look at the hit rate on quarterbacks in the first round. It's probably pretty similar. Um, you know, most, you know, half of these guys aren't going to make it. Uh, you know, the, the five guys that are going to go in the first however many picks of this draft, first you know, 20 picks at, at quarterback, you're probably going to have two that hit and three that miss. <laughs> and it may end up being the ones you, you least expect. Everybody assumes Trevor Lawrence is a home run, but we don't know. I, I just feel like there are certain positions that are always safer than others, and I think wide receiver next to quarterback is the least safe. But that doesn't deter me from going up to get a player like Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith because I, I think both those guys are phenomenal talents. I mean, the only thing that's going to keep those guys from succeeding uh, because they're so gifted is injury, but you could say that about anybody. What I love about Jalen Waddell is he impacts the defense when he doesn't have the ball because of his speed. That is something that Henry Ruggs III has done as well. When you look at the Raiders, go back and look at their tape, you know what? He didn't get the ball a lot, no doubt about it, and I think he's got to get better there, but... You had Derek Carr through for over 4,100 yards and had a quarterback rating of 101.4. And a lot of that's got to do with the fact you had a guy out there that was just a burner that changed a lot of secondaries and a lot of coverage. And I think Jalen Waddell would do the same thing. I'm just saying it seems so risky. And the historical numbers on the receiver position back it up. It just, you know, if you want that sort of risk, go trade Bitcoin, as someone (laughs) joked. You know, I just to me, I'd rather go offensive line, which has the best hit rate, than receiver, at least in round one. That's me. We'll talk corner next. That is Dave Pash, our guest on the Big Red Rage. Big split to the left. Matched up on Pat P. Allen back to throw, looking for Diggs. Instead steps up, throws deep middle, picked off. Peterson got that one. In this day and age, you want to have that shutdown corner. And Patrick gave you that for so long, you'd love to be able to replace that if you can find one of those guys. I know you have Byron uh, already, a, a young guy there. But you'd like to find a shutdown corner if you can. Yeah, it's the one need. I think the Cardinals still have. There are needs and there are wants going into every NFL draft. Steve Keim and the Cardinals front office has done a heck of a job trying to eliminate those urgent, dire needs. And you don't want it to be a tell and be so obvious going into any draft. And with that being the case, at least to me, Paul Calvisi here, Ron Wolfley, special guest Dave Pash. It is our pre-draft edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Wolf, you can agree or disagree. If you look at all the position groups, there's one that stands out. You still need another corner opposite Malcolm Butler because, to me, you can't count on Robert Alford. You just can't. He hasn't had a healthy season since 2017. 
Yeah, you're right about that, Polly. There's no doubt. Um, I think cornerback is the number one need for the Arizona Cardinals coming into this draft. And again, uh, the whole need conversation, listen, you've got tiers, basically. And you're sitting there, let's say, hypothetically, the Cardinals, they sit at number 16 right there. There's going to be a corner on that tier, maybe. There's going to be a wide receiver on that tier. There's going to be an offensive lineman on that tier. I think that's when you're going to start looking for, okay, what is an area of need that we have. We all know you're not going to draft a quarterback. We all know that, right? Because that's obviously not an area of need for the Arizona Cardinals. So, to me, I'm looking at corner. I think that is their primary need, and I think there's a possibility that Caleb Farley might actually be there at 16. And Dave, before you go, here's the GM Steve Kime when he was asked about the cornerback position in this year's draft. It's a deep corner draft. Pick your poison. You know, these guys are all a little different. There are guys that can play inside and outside in this draft. Some guys that can only play outside uh, with their length and their movement skills. So uh, really feel good about, about uh, that position. It's amazing, Dave. When you named all the top receivers, they're all from the SEC. And you could add Terrence Marshall, Elijah Moore. I mean, the top six, arguably, are all from the SEC. Well, the two top corners are from the SEC. So if you want to get a real gauge and if these guys can play, they obviously went up against some fierce competition in Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn. So I got two things here, guys, because I was listening to your conversation. First of all, we need to know, what do the Cardinals think of Byron Murphy? Do they view him as still a potential number one quarterback? Where they drafted him, you would think that I mean, they, they were expecting him eventually to emerge as a number one shutdown corner. He hasn't yet, but do they think that he can? And if they do, then maybe they don't go in that direction. Or if they go in that direction, they do it later in the draft. I look at corner in this draft the way I look at receiver. If Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn are still around 10, 11, somewhere in there, do I look to try to move up? Because I don't think either guy is going to be there at 16. And if both guys are gone, just like if those other three guys are gone at wide receiver, I'm going to a different position. I'm not touching Caleb Farley. I'm not touching him. There's too many injury questions. I think he's going to slip. Uh, And the other players – Greg Newsom, Asante Samuel, I think you can get those guys a little bit later. So I'm going elsewhere. Maybe even at that point you go best player and you say, you know what, because yeah, I, I still think, guys, am I wrong that outside of quarterback, you could say that there's a need everywhere. And I'm talking about a team that was on the cusp of the playoffs. Sure. You have a need at inside linebacker still. You have a need at outside linebacker. You have a need at safety. You have Buda Baker but there's somebody else that you need eventually to pair with him. You have Isaiah Simmons, who you're high on, but at some point you need to have another player to pair an inside linebacker that you think can be a game changer. So I'm looking at everything. But for if again, if those guys are gone for me, I just I'm not touching Farley at 16. Uh, the only thing I would say to you, David, is there are needs, and then there are needs. 
<laughs> right? You know, and that I think is what we're talking about right here. You've yeah, you've got needs everywhere for the most part. I think Steve Keim has done a great job going out and addressing those needs in free agency. That's what free agency I think he's using it for is going into the draft. You don't have this need that suddenly makes you draft somebody or or reach for somebody when you shouldn't be doing that. So I think he wants to cover all his bases going into the draft. I think he's done a good job of that, frankly. That's just me. I do, and and that's where I started this conversation. I think corner is the only area where it looks like there's an obvious need. And, Wolf, could I put it this way? There are needs starting next year, to Dave's point, you know, at pass rusher, Chandler Jones in the last year of his deal, you know, Marcus Golden and J.J. Watt, 30-plus years of age, inside linebacker Jordan Hicks in the last year of his contract. We get it, offensive line, a lot of one-year deals in there. Guys, deals are expiring. Okay, but then there are needs this year, and that one need, at least to me, is corner, and I'm with you, Dave. I think the underreported speculation, if you will, is if that guy is on the board at 8 or 9, if Sertan or Horn is on the board at 8 or 9, and most figure they will be after the run on quarterbacks, if you want to get in front of Dallas at number 10, there might be a trade coming. Or if Dallas goes corner and there's one left over at number 11, I could see that, Dave, going after because I agree with you. If you're at 16, those two guys are gone. At that point, you trade down and still can get that next tier down cornerback. And then I think the other thing is interesting because I'm with you, Paulie. I think you're going to have probably one defensive player go in the top ten, and it might be at number ten. So do you do you look at the teams in front of you and say, okay, do they need a corner? No, let's go get one of those guys. Or do you say, you know what, Micah Parsons is still there; he might drop. Ooh. Don't sleep on Zayvon Collins yes. from Tulsa. <laughs> I think that the, the yes. Cardinals have a need to me at inside linebacker. Uh, Jordan Hicks, to me, is not the guy. And you drafted Isaiah Simmons, but you know, at some point, again, the, the, your middle of your defense has to be uh, – you could look and say, yeah, it's it, it receivers outside, but, I mean, guys, you need linebackers that can cover. You need linebackers that can tackle. You need linebackers that can rush the passer. Isaiah Simmons is that. Zayvon Collins is that. Micah Parsons is a freak. Again, I think he'll be gone. But hey, Zayvon Collins at 6'5", right. 260 pounds. <laughs> is, I mean, is he really a Mike linebacker at 260, 6'5"? Yes, yes. yes. He yes. but he, he, if he didn't play at Tulsa, the guy probably goes in the top <laughs> seven or eight. Well, okay, so But there's a it. guy that you could trade back, Paulie. You could yes. trade back, collect I some picks. Me- I wouldn't mess around. I wouldn't do it. If he's there, I-, I think I'm looking seriously at taking him. I wouldn't take the risk of trading back, and then all of a sudden he's gone. A lot of people think that 25 to 30 was where he was originally going to go, but he is climbing up draft boards if you read the latest stuff. And if it's a copycat league, and we know it is, look what Tampa just did. They just wrote Devin White and Levante David. And we know back in the days of Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis, Fred Warner is in your division. Bobby Wagner's in your division. I could see it. You know, we'll see. If that guy is there, that might be the position that we're not talking about. We continue with our pre-draft edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Isaiah Simmons is our guy. Here we go. Isaiah. This is Coach Kingsbury, man. Congratulations. You're a hell of a player, and we're looking forward to putting you on the field right away. We're going to make you a cardinal right here. Isaiah Simmons. Yeah! 
I was amazed that Isaiah Simmons got past Carolina. Me too. My dreams were becoming a reality. You watch him uh, cover ground on the football field. You watch him tackle. You watch him pick off balls. His skill set is uh, is out of this world. I'm going to take a shot on the Cardinals. I just like it. Talent on talent and a lot of attitude coming in the season. <laughs> there we go. It was an excited and exuberant Steve Keim on Draft Night 2020. How do we know that? Well, because of Cardinals' flight plan, they take us behind the scenes, Emmy award-winning series, and some of the best content, the best of the best, is always the war room, draft night, camera stuff that we get. They go behind the They go where nobody else is allowed to go. Season 4, Episode 1 is currently posted right now on the Cardinals' YouTube channel and soon to come, all the draft coverage. We're breaking it down as we go into Thursday night. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and the voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash, here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. So, gentlemen, there was a Bucky Brooks mock draft that came out, and a respected NFL draft analyst, NFL.com, and at number 16, he had the Cardinals going running back and Najee Harris. Now, Dave, you've called several of his games at Alabama. Your thoughts when you saw that? I don't think the Cardinals would take him at 16. I think he's I think he's going to be a really good NFL player. I, to me, that's a little high to take a running back, especially because I think there are other needs that the Cardinals have. Guys, I, I like Chase Edmonds. I do. And I think James Conner gives them exactly what they needed, someone who compliments um, him. And, and I'm not sure about some of the younger running backs. We didn't get to see them last year because we didn't have a training camp. We didn't have preseason games. Who knows about some of these young guys? I, I've always felt like, and Chase Edmonds was a mid-round pick, right? You can find guys at that position unless – they're a home run. I mean, Todd Gurley was a top 10 pick, and he was a home run for a while. And, you know, now he's older and he's had injuries and he's on the downside. Um, but when I'm looking at number 16, uh, I want a player that I think is going to be there for 10 years, 12 years. And running backs just don't last that long. And I think that's why I'm not taking Najee Harris at 16. Yeah, the problem with Todd Gurley was giving him the massive second contract, and then a year later they had to pull the plug. And, yeah, that was a disaster for the Rams uh, in giving the second contract. It's interesting, Walt, because you remember we had Rashad Johnson recently on the Big Red Rage here, and he is the former Cardinals safety who is now part of the broadcast team and a radio analyst for Bama. So he has a lot of insight into Najee Harris. And here was his comparison with Derrick Henry. Najee Harris has the power that Derrick Henry has in a different form. Derrick is long speed faster, I think, than Najee. But I think short area quickness in terms of making defenders miss, Najee's very special at that, man. Tremendous spin move. And I actually think he's a better route runner in one-on-one matchup out of the backfield. Mm. So, I mean, if you want a guy that's, you know, 13 personnel, bruise you and can do that, you know, Derek's going to weigh on you in four quarters. But Najee's a guy that's going to weigh on you in four quarters in a different way because he can wear you out in the run game. But also on third down, I mean, he's tremendous out of the backfield. When you talk about Najee Harris, guys, you have to talk about who else could possibly be there at 16, right? Who else could be there at 16? I, I honestly, I'm going to draft a running back in the first round if he's Earl Campbell. Okay, that I, I, and that that is going to be my standard. I'm going to draft him in the first round if I think he's an absolute freak. Do you think Najee Harris is that? 
Would you call him that? Not because quite. Some, he's close, though. You know, Paulie, I mean, he, he's intriguing. really, really close. He's a man who's, what, 6'1", 232 pounds with great athleticism and a guy that will truck you from time to time. A guy that is very underrated in terms of being able to catch the ball and come out of the backfield. A guy that is a true rundown uh, running back, first and ten, second and one to six. When you think about the goals Steve Kime said he had this offseason, what were they, guys? You know, number one, get more physical. Number two, leadership, which is culture to me in that locker room. Bring that in. Those were his two goals right there. I think Najee Harris checks both those boxes. But where did he get picked, right? He, or, excuse me, where did Derrick Henry get picked? Second round. Exactly. So uh, that's another reason why I, I agree that Najee Harris, all those things you just said, Wolf, yeah. I agree with Rashad, but I'm just not taking him at 16. You know what, I, guys, it would be like, oh, man, 16, that's a little high to take. Yes! <laughs> you know, I because I love what it says about the direction of this offense going forward. We're going to blend the old and the new and become more physical. And I would I love it. that. I get it, James Conner's on a one-year deal, but he's only 26, and he is that big back. And I'm with Dave. Chase Edmonds intriguing. Now, the one game they gave him 20-plus carries a year ago uh, against the Dolphins didn't go so well. He averaged less than three yards a carry. So I'm not sure he's an every-down back, Chase Edmonds, but I do like the pairing uh, of the James Conner and Chase Edmonds. We'll see. It's too high for me in round one. But you know what? Everybody gets a pick when we come back. Prediction time Uh on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. I don't know where Jimmy G was throwing that ball. I don't know either. I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. So that goes for all of us. Smoke them if you got them, says Kyle Shanahan. Apparently there's a chance we might all be wiped out like the dinosaurs uh, by Sunday. So there you go. That was his way of deflecting, not yeah, answering Paulie, the that's question called about Jimmy G. dodging the question right there. Well wow. done, Kyle. Okay, there you go. So uh, we're officially ready for the NFL draft, are we not? I think that was the last hurdle right there. Uh, it's become silly season time, and here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, yours truly, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, the voice of the Cardinals, Dave Pash, our special guest. Around the horn we go. Dave is our guest. You can go first. We need a prediction. Where do you think the Cardinals go in round one, number 16 overall? Maybe they trade down, maybe they trade up, but we want a draft position and a name. So if you stay at 16... And you don't move up or move down. I, I think all the players that you really covet are going to be gone. But I do think it's possible one of two players, one offense and one defense, that a lot of teams, and I'm assuming the Cardinals have, rate, have these guys rated high as well, are going to drop. One is Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, an offensive lineman who can play four positions, and the Cardinals need an offensive lineman who can come start right away. The other guy is Zayvon Collins from Tulsa, who is an absolute freak, who because he went to Tulsa, nobody's talking about, but he was the player of the year defensively in college football. Ahead of all those guys that are in the SEC that we talked about, and I think a lot of teams have a very high grade on him, and they're hoping that he slides. 
I wouldn't take a chance. If one of those two guys are there, I don't trade down. I take Vera Tucker or I take Zayvon Collins, and I think that's what the Cardinals are going to do. You're Ron killing Wolfley. me. You are killing me, David. That's a, <laughs> I mean, I just showed Minch right here, our producer. I just showed him. Number 16, Elijah Vera Tucker. That's who I would take if he is there at number 16. And I think there's a real possibility he's going to be there at number 16. If, if I'm going to trade down, um, I'm going to trade down to 21, 23, somewhere in that range, and I would draft Zayvon Collins. I know that he's climbing draft boards, but I would I would take a runner on him and hope that we got our third and fourth round pick back. Well, there's no way both of you are right, so I'm not going Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, I think that Micah Parsons, because of the character concerns, will slide. And I agree with you, Dave. I think the two corners are going to be gone. All three receivers are going to be gone. It's going to be tempting to trade down, get a pick, and then also take the next level cornerback, whether it's Newsom, whether it's Asante Samuel Jr., maybe Caleb Farley, and hope for the best, although his injury record just terrifies me. But I think Micah Parsons slides, and the Cardinals get their inside linebacker pairing Isaiah Simmons and Parsons for the next near decade. That's my thought on that one, and we'll see as the uh, Cardinals try and match wits in the NFC West. Otherwise, uh, as I said earlier, guys, maybe they do trade up. It's the one thing we haven't heard about, and a lot of times it's what we haven't heard that ends up being the obvious move and uh, going up and maybe making a deal in that regard for the corner that they need so desperately uh, to replace Patrick Peterson. It'd be so awesome to see Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons on the field at the same time. <laughs> I'm good with that. Would you be all right with that, David? <laughs> I'm good with that. A special thanks, Dave. Thank you for the time. We appreciate it. I'll see you Thursday night for our draft coverage. Ron Wolfley, I'm Paul Calvisi. Special thanks, Jim Almondro and Mitch Vereldis. This has been the Big Red Rage. been listening to the big red rage presented by santan ford in gilbert are you santan ford state farm talk to an agent today at 800 state farm and by arizona cardinals podcasts visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts this has been an exclusive presentation of the arizona cardinals football club